Welcome to the Arseholics podcast. It is Tuesday night after the Monday night, which was after the Sunday evening. That was epic for Arsenal fans all over the world. And I've got a man who was there at the game who can help us indulge in everything that was good about an amazing, amazing victory against our arch, deep, dark, Sauron-level <laughs> nemesis. <laughs> I love the intro. Love yeah, the intro. I mean, I'm really feeling it, man. You've got me, Raj, here, uh, and and Mize, who who's, who's, who's getting ready to get into it, is with me. Aaron and still traveling um, around the world somewhere. No one knows where he is. In fact, I don't know. He, he may not even know where he is, but like, you know, he's, he's somewhere and um, I'm, I'm sure he's looking forward to listening to our podcast just as much as the rest of you um, have been. So listen, if you are listening to this before we get into it, because it's going to be so much fun, please do make sure you subscribe to the podcast. I often forget to say it. And, um, you know, I'm going to put that down to the only reason that people don't subscribe after these episodes. Uh, so please subscribe, share it, like it. If you are watching this live, which I'm not sure anyone has joined live right yet, but if you if you are, um, please, please, whether it's this episode or future episodes, please get in the comments and chat to us. It's well fun. Um, I'm going to chat to Mize now. Mize, are you sober yet from Sunday? <laughs> I am. I am. Um, yeah. Sunday was, as you'd expect, a, a very heavy one. Lots of pre-drinking. We met up. Um, I met, so went with my cousin, Jonagan, a fellow Arsenal fan. Uh, we met up pretty early and we got a lot of drinks in. But at the same time, we were being a little bit cautious or careful with how much we were, um, how intoxicated we were going to get because uh, uh, getting to Tottenham and going around Tottenham and getting into the stadium and all of that is um, a bit dodgy. People who've done the North London Derby or have done Spurs away will know what I mean. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, to be honest, uh, hangover or not, the, the win and the performance um, would have been more than enough to, um, to cure any sort of hangover I might have had on, on Monday. And I'm, I'm still in that kind of like just enjoying that you know that win still in, in euphoria really um two days on so yeah i can't wait to get into it man and probably one of the reasons is because of the absolute pain that you and i went through when we went there last year and uh you know apart from maybe the first five minutes of last year's game where it looked like it was like kind of fairly even we basically just took a took a massive battering on a on a cold evening uh, I want to say it was cold. Was it even cold? I'm not sure, but it was an evening, um, and um, and it was uh, it was not fun at all. And I've got terrible memories of it. And so this was just redemption for you, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, exactly. Like it was like all the more sweet and satisfying just the fact that what happened in May. Um, uh, and you know, we we previewed the episode. Uh, sorry, in the last episode, we previewed the game and we talked about how we thought it was going to go and where the two teams are now um and the performance that these guys put in the arsenal team put in it tells us everything that we needed to know about how much we've come on since that result in may and where spurs are now since that they beat us comprehensively um and you know we didn't just win like we didn't just turn up and win we to a certain extent, we just sort of took the piss, really. I, I felt mm. like, um, not gonna, not gonna lie. A lot of the game is a little bit of a blur. Um, as I mentioned, I was, I was pretty drunk, but you know, came home and tried to catch up on, you know, 
all the post-match stuff and highlights and everything. And, you know, watching it back, I mean, like celebrations at the end, um, Ramsdale giving it back to the fans, you know, Martinelli controlling the ball off his back, um, all of that stuff, you know, um, the, the scarf going up on the, the spider cam, all of that stuff. Like we, we basically went there, we went, went to White Hart Lane or Tottenham Stadium, whatever it's called now. And just, yeah, felt like we just sort of took the piss and, um, yeah, very, very satisfying win, as you say, considering what happened in May. I wanted to ask you, Raj, so like, because like you obviously, none of us were really that confident except for Nero. I think you and Aaron had predicted losses, like predicted Spurs were going to win. I said a draw. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite interested just to like kick off the episode as well. Mm. Just what your, like, given that you thought we were going to lose, mm. were you pretty surprised with either like how we played or um, how, how Spurs set up? Like, I just want to get your thoughts, really. I'm surprised with all those things. I, If you recall, I mean, I did think we were going to lose. A large driver of why I thought we were going to lose is because of all those narratives that and all those things that have just been bubbling. And so, you know, um, one of the main things that was bubbling was this whole us getting fi- charged by the FA two weeks in a row. And I, I, I was worried that official the officials in this game were going to just use that to be able to control us a little bit, not let us kind of find a voice, not let us complain about decisions. And Tottenham were going to, you know, know that we would be a bit anxious in that regard and maybe take advantage of that, feel a little bit more confident. The other thing was the Harry Kane narrative, um, you know, about J- Jimmy Greaves's record, two goals, kind of needed to break it. He always gets a goal against us. You know, if he's not playing well, then it's a dime and a penalty anyway. So it's always going to be a goal against us. It feels like mm-hmm. um, the memory from last season, um, and 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 the fact, mate, that we, you know when we were there last season, the Tottenham, Tottenham atmosphere. Credit to them last season, the atmosphere of the fans yeah. was just like it was so good and it was hostile. Uh, I thought all those things would happen, and and I also thought right that again, you know, your point about how we set up and stuff. I remember when we we were we were getting into it. It seemed very clear. I think we we both agreed on something very basic, which was that if Tottenham were to defend or not get on the front foot, then they're going to get completely screwed because we will silence the crowd by having possession. We will knock it around, and they will lose their biggest asset, which is which is the crowd, and the crowd will start getting on their backs. So I thought there was just no way in which Conte wouldn't say. Listen, we need to just try and dominate the ball. And I'm going to set us up in a way where we're going to try and dominate the ball, where we're going to try and get the, the the supporters on our side. Even if they don't have the ball, just be aggressive, kind of, you know, get, you know, maybe even if they're going to make a few fouls at the beginning, like go for it, show that and get the crowd riled up. I thought all those things would happen. Conte's really smart managers, really kind of, you know, experienced. But none of those things happen. None of the narratives that I mentioned happened. None of the ways in which I thought Conte would would set them up happen. And I absolutely just did not think that they'd be so naive in how they set up to give players like Partey and Odegaard the space that they did. And let's, you know, we'll get into it. But it was just that I did not in a million years think Spurs would be so, so bad. And the stats, right? And we can get into the stats later. The stats paint no picture of what the game was like. Because, you know, there are games sometimes where a team to completely dominates the other one completely, completely dominates and gets a, a goal, gets two goals and then goes, you know what? Now, now we're going to, we're going to have to rest 
in a smart way. Let's take our foot off the gas. And the other team will try and come back into the game. So they will have more possession and they will have more efforts as a result. But the, the team that have already got the lead are, are quite happy to kind of try and be resilient and, and defend. And, and that's basically what, what happened in that game. We were so good. We were so, so good to have that 2-0 lead. We did the smart thing and kind of, you know, just tried to manage the game in the second half. So the stats actually show possession was quite even, attempts were even. The stats basically suggest if you just looked at the stats, it would suggest that the game was won by one team that was more clinical than the other. That's just not true. That's just not true. It was a masterclass in that first half. And I remember it was funny, right, when um, when you when we were messaging in the game and and I was asking you how, you know, whether it whether it whether it looked as good, when it looks as good, you know, in person as it does on Sky. Because on Sky, on TV, you know, watching on TV, you get all the angles, you can see all the space. Yeah. And I was so happy for you that you were almost like, you know, too too buzzing and too drunk to yeah. almost analyse the There's game. No, but, yeah, no analysis, no tactical analysis at all. Yeah, yeah. But how was it like, though, you know, yeah, fine, no tactical analysis and, and all that, understandably, and I know where, were, were, were you in the lower, was it lower tier? Again? Yeah, it's was quite it, similar yeah. to where we sat last time we went um yeah, yeah lower tier behind the goal so that we the, the, we basically had a corner of the ground that the away fans the arsenal fans so i was kind of um not directly behind the goal but you know behind the goal as opposed to um facing the facing the like six yard line or the or the yeah. 18 yard line um yeah yeah like i mean the, the the stuff you mentioned about the atmosphere last season like we both pointed it out um, we both noticed it, obviously, picked up on it, not picked up on it, but, you know, it was very, very obvious how much the atmosphere in the game last season contributed to the um, to the result and the Spurs performance, as you said. And um, we've mentioned that a couple of times when we've spoken about the, their stadium and the atmosphere it can generate. But I think, like you say, man, like the, the how well Arsenal played, genuinely how well Arsenal played, I, I, and obviously the fact we got two first-half goals, it was like chalk and cheese compared to last season in terms of the Spurs fans. Like I can't remember. It was all Arsenal. Like obviously, you know, away games generally, um, Arsenal, Arsenal fans are pretty good. They, they are, they are very good and they tend to just sing throughout um, nonstop. And obviously if you're two to up in a North London derby away, you know, th that singing is going to be even louder and even more kind of boisterous as it were. And yeah, I think we just, I think combination of the performance on the pitch and the away fans as usual, really turned up and, and backed the team. Um, both of those factors, I, I, did, I can't, genuinely, I don't feel like, I, I, I can't remember a moment where I was like, okay, this, the crowd are getting on our backs, you know, and, and the, the away fans have gone a bit quiet because either the players on the pitch are doing something, like the Spurs players on the pitch are doing something to kind of, lift the crowd or, or vice versa just it didn't happen throughout the game from what i can remember obviously spurs came back in the second half and 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 you know had a bit of a revival as it were but but yeah like it, it was like chalk and cheese compared to the atmosphere um when we went in may and you know like quality is one thing right like you know being on form and all that kind of stuff but the one of one of the things i remember from last year when we played spurs was how much sheer desire the Tottenham players had when they're on that pitch they were so up for it you know they were running they were w winning every second ball they were doing all the things that you expect for of a team playing a big game to, to do and do you think that that was different this time around did Tottenham surprise you in kind of their intensity in that first half um it was to be honest mate yeah I mean it, I don't I wouldn't say it necessarily surprised me. I think what what we saw 
was what we've seen all season when it comes to Arsenal. Like, I think for me, the focus and the kind of praise really needs to go to Arteta and to how Arsenal essentially negated whatever Spurs were going to be able to do. Like, they sat up with five at the back or, uh, you know, three centre-backs and wing-backs. And the way that Saka and Martinelli play, they basically just, yeah, negated... um, uh, who was it? It was um, Sessegnon and I can't remember who the um, right back was. Whoever, whoever their wings, wing backs were for Spurs, you know, essentially pushed them back into Doherty, back. right? Doherty, Doherty. Was it? I can't sure. remember now. Um, but yeah, pushed them back into a back five, and 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 I think oh, sorry, I think I just knocked the mic there. And um, and I think yeah, we 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 were able to really stop Spurs from being able to do anything. Um, and you know, we know what like Conte is a conservative manager. Um, but the way that we set up where, you know, Zinchenko played such a, like he's been doing it all season from left back, but essentially he is our third central midfielder. And mm. when he, when he, when he gets into that position, like we just overran them in central midfield and it was very, very easy. It felt like from what I, what I saw, it looked like it was very, very easy. Every time we had the ball and we picked it up in central midfield, we were getting it through the lines and up to the attacking players really, yeah. really easily. And obviously the two goals that we scored sort of came in, in, in a similar way with Partey pretty much playing a really integral part in, in the goals um, with, with his passing and his forward passing through the line. So um, I think, I mean, a little bit surprised because I expected more from Spurs. And I think, you know, again, you know, we're kind of repeating what we said earlier, you know, the, 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 the atmosphere or the occasion, I expected a bit more. But I also feel like when, you, when I actually watched a lot, so I watched... Following the game, I watched a quite a lot of Spurs reaction. I think it just ended up coming up on my Twitter feed because Arsenal fans were retweeting it, whatever. And pre-match, I don't think, I mean, I don't like we weren't that confident because mm. we've not won there in so long because of what happened last season, et cetera, et cetera. But mm. I don't think Spurs fans were particularly confident either. And I think mm. what they expected to happen happened where mm. Arsenal being the better team this 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 season, like you said it when when you talked about um, when you when you gave your prediction, you, you kind of started your prediction by saying, ultimately, we are the better team. The stats dictate we're the better team. You know, the, the table dictates we're a better team. Everything points to us being, you know, we're playing the better football. We're more consistent, everything. But yet you still had the concerns and reservations mm. about what the result would be. But how the game actually panned out followed that trend in terms of form, mm. in terms of, you know, us, yeah, essentially being the better team with the better players. So somewhat surprised, yes. But I think on reflection... It was just a top, top Arsenal performance. Tactically, yeah. every player, you know, every player played really, really well. Um, and I think, and I think it just, it just, like I said, right at the start, it just showed kind of how much we've come on. Like you look back to May and you look at the team now, and obviously look, there's a number of players that didn't play in that game in May that played on Sunday, which, and they were key players, Thomas Party being a prime example. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when you compare... The, the, the sort of the what's happened in the last uh, seven or eight months it's uh, you know the development and and how far we've come on is is unbelievable really and and yeah like I, I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe maybe we shouldn't have been that surprised that yeah. Arsenal played the way they did because they basically kind of uh, did what they've been doing all season even in the big games I I, I, I agree with you and yeah maybe it is a learning experience for us as you know, maybe we've just got to come to that realization, which is a a tough realization because I think we want to be risk averse and we want to be a bit conservative in kind of how we view our team and don't want to get carried away. But 
we're an excellent team and maybe we just need to digest it and allow it to you know come out when we're reviewing games and when we're talking about our players because you know when <laughs> you sort of mentioned it there it's the 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 level that we've got to now versus where we were six months ago, we weren't we weren't bad six months ago, but the level at which we've got to now in that period of time, it's it's just it's just an incredibly steep steep line that we've gone up. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. not it, it it's it from I mean it feel like from the start of this season we've been you know kind of playing incredibly well. And it's not a form thing. It's just that we're really, really good. Mm. And I love to see the fact that, you know, there's some of these players that have just taken it to another level. And I don't know whether that's because tactical tweaks have helped them. And I don't know whether it's just because, you know, when you've got other players that are playing well, also it's difficult for the opposition to, to have a plan to just stop one player. But we do need to talk about a couple of these individuals, right? Because like Thomas Partey has been brilliant all season. But, it, you know, some games you, you look at a player and they are just unplayable. That's what it looked like yeah. against Tottenham. In that first half in particular, he was absolutely divine. Like, he was walking on water. Uh, he, 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 Spurs couldn't get near him. Anything he wanted to do, he did. Whether that was from a defensive standpoint, whether that was from an attacking standpoint, flicking balls around the corner, playing like crossfield passes, you know, lofting balls with the right amount of spin, into everything, it was just, a, you know, it just transcended everyone else on the pitch. I mean, how how good is this guy now, Mike? Like, I mean, I know he's coming to sort of the latter stage of his career. He's, you know, did well with Atletico Madrid. We we've seen patches of, you know. Thomas Partey at Arsenal, but this season has just been incredible, right? And was this one of his best performances in Arsenal shirt? Would you say? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and I think you're, I think it's fair that you know, and completely right that you've you've called him out. Um, he was definitely a standout player for me. I think what we were saying about Thomas Partey, maybe start of this season, or pre, even previous seasons, you know, maybe last season, is you know he has his moments uh, where he's unbelievable like the way he gets out of tight spaces and how comfortable he is in the ball especially being a central midfielder um you know he almost creates time for himself sometimes when you feel like there isn't actually any time for him if that makes any sense like he beats the press really well um but he personally and, and i think maybe we've all said it at, at different times he hasn't maybe done it consistently in injuries has definitely had a, an impact on that and also yeah but but despite injuries yeah i don't think he's done it game in in the big game, in all of the big games, or basically consistently. But I think what we're seeing now and this season, and again, you know, the fact that he's been fit probably helps a lot. Um, is he is now becoming or has become a like basically, you know, him just playing that kind of lone CDM role for me. I mean, look, I'm obviously biased, but I think he's he's the best in that role in the Premier League. Like, I personally, I'd say he's probably yeah. the best defensive midfielder in the Premier League. The only other player that this season could come close as maybe Casemiro. And I've not really seen him play that much, but everything I'm hearing from, you know, people watching United, mainly United fans is, you know, he's been unreal. He's been the difference as to why United's form and um, everything has changed for them. Um, and we're going to see them kind of go at it on Sunday, obviously. So that'll mm. be really interesting. But yeah, man, like, I mean, we've praised party in the past, you know, I just talked a little bit about some of the things that I love about him and, and his like quality, you know, his attributes or his really good attributes. But yeah, he, he, he's like you say, I think you put it perfectly. Like there's 
on Sunday, and I think we've seen this before, that it's basically like there's it doesn't look like there's anything he can't do. And he's even this season like added goals to his game as well. Like the shot that he had, oh my god, like that oh shot. Oh god, that my word. If, if that had gone in, oh was my that god. at the other end of you? Uh yes, it was. So yeah. so I I didn't even realize it hit the like we kind of figured isn't you know what it's like from one end yeah. to the other. Couldn't fully tell it hit the post or if Larice had saved it or what had happened. Didn't even know it was really party that had hit it, to be honest. So basically that technique. No, I didn't see it at the time. So obviously I saw it afterwards. And um, my God, like, ugh, if that had gone in, that, I mean, there's, yeah, that's goal of the season, uh, halfway through the season. So like I said, you know, he's got the confidence now to shoot from goal, but even if you take that out of, of his game or his performance, performances, um, yeah, he's just been this kind of like complete central midfielder. And, and obviously he's playing in a CDM role, but then he is like, you know, he's the ball carrier. He's the guy that passes between the lines. He's the guy who connects the defense to midfield. You know, he's the, he, and, and I think the thing that like, sometimes I've, I've, I've seen a few people compare him to Casemiro this season. And they're basically saying Casemiro is the better, like destroyer. And maybe that's true. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I haven't seen Casemiro enough, but I mean, I've, I'm pretty confident or not, not confident, but from memory, even post world cup, like I think it was the Brighton game it might've been the West Ham game or the Brighton game. I'm pretty sure like a couple of our goals in one of those games came from party winning the ball back high up the pitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think one of them, he gave the ball away. Then he kind of um, like managed to win it back with a slide tackle. And, you know, even that aspect of his game, like defensively, you know, he's tackling. Um, and I think there was like a couple of really good blocks in, in the Spurs game as well. You know, yeah. basically like just this, this like complete midfielder, um, and he's obviously really excelling in this role now with Zinchenko that supports him when we have the ball, Xhaka mm. in that like, kind of left half space, you know, playing more advanced. And I think that was a thing that didn't really work. Him and Xhaka playing together. Yeah, it's like, a really season, good point. Yeah, it didn't really work for whatever reason. It didn't really work maybe, you know, because of like Xhaka's limitations. And all of, you know, and I think this comes down to like, and I was going to make this point, maybe I'll make it now, but, you know, maybe it would have come up later is, you know, these are all decisions. Like when you think about, like we just said, okay, you compare us to last May when we lost at Spurs and we weren't a bad team. We finished fifth in the league. We weren't a bad team. But when you think about where we were when Arteta joined and when you think about where we were in May, for example, with what happened at the end of the season and you think about some of the decisions that Arteta's made, you know, Saliba coming back and right, you're going to be my starting centre-back because I've seen what you can do and I like what you're doing in training. So what do we do? And if you think about Tommy Asu and Tierney, they were like mainstay fullbacks last season. Mm. And if they if they were fit, they were in the team. And he's changed that up now with Ben White going to right-back. Like, that looks like a masterstroke now. Mm. No, At mm. the start of the season, no one really wanted Ben White at right-back. We all yeah. like, we, we all had concerns with how he would defend against wingers and yeah. Yeah, thought at some point he would get moved. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the movies made with the Jacker now, making Erdegaard captain, you know, even just signing Zinchenko and then now, you know, him operating in this role that he's operating in, you know, all of these things, it's, 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 it's pretty like, I don't want to say ridiculous, but it's just seriously impressive. It's just seriously impressive. Um, so I think, you know, he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, look, it's still halfway through the season. Who knows what's going to happen? And we keep like tempering our kind of expectations with that, you know, 18 games in, but in terms of how we're performing and how we're playing and some of the games that we're winning, like it's seriously, it's seriously impressive. And, and Party's another example of that, where he's just like kind of found his feet in this role and is really excelling. And like, I guess the, 
the thing is, man, he just like has to stay fit now. He has to has to has to stay fit for us to be successful this season. That's the stressful, stressful thing. Yeah, and and we'll you know we're going to record another episode later about about transfers, and, and I'm sure we'll get to to that and why that might be important. But is it worth just for a second comparing the trajectory of both these teams? And again, look. I'm enjoying being indulgent, but at the same time, I think it is a really important thing to analyse. We finished below Tottenham last season and they are in the Champions League as a result. That's significant because it means that you can attract different types of players. If you're in the Champions League, you got a little bit more money as well. As a result of this, like in the summer, Tottenham spent more money than Arsenal. Tottenham spent about 170 odd million and I think Arsenal spent about 120. So Tottenham is spending 170 million on a squad that's in the Champions League. Arsenal spending 120 on a squad that is not in the Champions League. Yeah. Like if we just take a step back and think about okay, let's let's put aside the fact that Arsenal are top of the league and playing probably the best football in Europe right now. Let let's just hold that for a second. Where's it gone wrong for Tottenham in your perspective because you know, fine, Conte hasn't been there as long as Arteta have, but Conte's not a transformational manager. Conte is someone who is you know, he's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. He shouldn't, you know, he's not the sort of guy that I think you employ to change your top, your club from the top to bottom. You employ him because you want to get results and win trophies and he'll figure out what to do with the squad that he has. Yeah, he'll he'll want to spend money, but ultimately kind of he's not someone who I think is going to require you to change your whole squad. Otherwise, what's the bloody point? Mm-hmm. But so he, he, you know, he's, he's, he's a very experienced guy, has had good players to work with anyway. Kane, Son, as examples, spent good money but why is it mate why do you why do you think it is that they just look a shadow of what they did last season but look so far behind an arsenal team who have spent less i mean on the first question um it's i mean i don't like so if you look at where they are in the league right they're still i'm not gonna i'm not i don't want to give spares any credit or anything like that look they're fifth in the league with half a season to go so there's every chance that they still finish in the top four. I think it's a it's a bit of a uh, there's a bit of a gap between them mm. and I think it's United in fourth. But but it's not a gap that they can't claw back. You know, it's not like it's twenty points or whatever. So we could be talking about you know come the end of the season we could be sitting here talking and Spurs might ba- be back in the top four and ultimately that's probably a successful season for them. So I think it might be a bit early to say like they've completely fallen off. Um, mm. But I think also like I don't know. If, I mean, for me, I think I don't think their recruitment's been great. Like, you look at some of the players they've signed. Like, you look at Basuma, for example, who was quite a, a relatively big money signing for them. He's just not. I don't know if he's injured or he just doesn't get in the team. Or no, I don't even know. But well, do you in- remember? Like a few months ago, Conte said that Basuma is the only player in this squad that isn't understanding his instructions or something like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly. Okay, fine. So you know why you know question is then not so much why did they sign him but it looks like it's a signing that maybe hasn't worked out yet even though it's still mm-hmm. early early days um you know players like jed spence i mean fine he was always going to be a squad player or one for the future but um you look at longley i i mean i've seen longley play a few times for barcelona um and he was just always looked like a bit of a calamity defender and i was very surprised they went for him it's a bit of a bit of a you know a few I'm not really sure what their transfer strategy is. I mean, obviously they had a couple of successes like Kulosevsky, Bentancur, um, you know, fa- really do rate them fantastic players. Um, but 
I think I think overall, I don't think they've recruited as well as we have. Like mm. we we keep saying it, we we've had a plan, we've had a, a strategy, and we've been trying to implement that strategy every window. Um, uh, and we I think we've pretty much stuck to that plan. And I'm not sure Spurs really have that plan. And I don't know how much you can plan your trans, you know, your next kind of three or four transfer windows when Conte's the manager, because you probably don't know if your manager is still going to be there in three or four transfer windows. Um, so I think that must must have played a, a massive factor or has played a massive factor in kind of why they've not been as good this season. But like I said, I still kind of maintain that it's still early and they may well kind of like kind of how they've become a bit of a second half team. They might be a bit of a second half team this season in terms of they might pick it back up. Like Conte's begging for, um, you know, recruit like new track. He wants players in. Um, mm. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm assuming he means now he wants he wants some bodies in or he wants some players in, and you know who if Spurs do I think they're linked to a couple of players like is it a Portuguese player I'm not even sure who, who Poro I think is a right Poro, back yeah. is it yeah yeah I mean you know like I mean this is one of the things that people a lot of people are saying people who watch Spurs are saying is you know he plays a wing back system but he doesn't have the wing backs that he wants but he's got like loads to select from and he signed Perisic as well so. You know, I, that's that's maybe one of the main reasons I would say that things haven't really worked out for him. Um, and obviously, look, the way that Conte approaches games, um, it relies on defensive stability first. You know, that's his primary um, focus for any game. And he, and he plays the same way. He sets up the same way every game. You know, don't concede. We don't we're not going to concede a goal and we'll we'll we will probably score with the attacking players that we've got. And that just hasn't worked. That just hasn't worked. And I think when you look at, like I said, Longley, you know, Dyer isn't really, how good is Dyer? I don't really rate him that much. Davinson Sanchez, you know, a lot of people go on about, um, what's the Argentinian defender's name? Romero. Romero yeah, Romero. I I mean, like, I I think he, he's good. Like, he's good. But he's. I think a lot of people rate him just because he's like an arsehole. Like, he's just really aggressive and he's just... Always no, I, I like can, I completely you know I mean? agree. Yeah, and it's I think a lot those... of a lot sorry, of Spurs sorry. fans. Are, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Just no. to add on, them, but I think a lot. You know, whenever I've challenged a lot of Spurs fans about Romero, because I, it's not just me. There are other. You know, I've got other friends who who aren't Arsenal fans who don't rate Christian Romero, and and I think what a lot of them kind of seem to what a lot of Spurs fans seem to respond to is I think last season is it he was in Jamie Carragher's team of the year. And <laughs> and as a result, it's like, well, you know, there are, you know, it's not just us that rate him. But I think Romero just seems like one of these guys that he just he's completely unplanned in how he defends. And he's he's a very last ditch tackle kind of guy. And he's yeah. like fired up, he runs everywhere, and he's probably quite good, you know, he's quite reactive in that way. Like he'll he'll kind of make those last ditch tackles and he looks like really passionate, all the rest of it. But yeah, no, I, I don't think he's very good at all. And I thought he was useless against us. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, completely agree, man. So like, I think that's probably for me the two main factors. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've got any other. Uh, well, well, I don't, again, just to ask you, you know, you, you mentioned recruitment. You're right. Yeah, you know, I mean, look at the recruitment. It's, it is a bit weird, isn't it? But like, but why should it be? The thing is, uh, Paratici and Conte have worked together at Juventus and won titles together. Right? They've built title-winning squads. They're not two random guys who have been put, you know, who've been shoved together. Um, they they they've got a working relationship. They they they've worked at signing top players. So 
that's the that's the thing that kind of baffles me. Lip, there shouldn't be a case at Tottenham where their transfers have not been strategized and their transfers haven't kind of helped take them onto higher levels, particularly because they qualify for the Champions League. But then again, part of me was wondering that. Look, just because they've spent money, you know, again, as we've realised, you know, partly with you know some of the players that we go for, sometimes you never really know what happens behind the scenes and you don't know whether Tottenham actually, there would have been loads of other players they would rather have signed, but they've ended up having to sign some players who are like, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth choice on the list. And some of these players still have big price tags like Richarlison. They spent so much money on Richarlison, right? Yeah. In what planet, in what planet is Richarlison worth... I don't know, 70 million or whatever he is. And Gabriel Jesus, a four times Premier League winner, you know, at 25 or whatever it is. How how is how is Richarlison worth double? And maybe that's the thing, you know, Everton at the end of the day wanted that sort of money. No one else is willing to pay that. Mm. No one else is willing to pay that. And then they end up doing it. So I so I don't know. I am I, look, I agree with you. I think their recruitment's been just a bit silly. Um yeah. And 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 yeah, and it, it, but it's 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 quite remarkable. And I'm not really sure. Like, I think you made a really good point, right? It is early in the season, and they are fifth. So, you know, the Conte mentality factor, as we've seen already in this season, means that sometimes like they're able to get points when they really, really shouldn't have. And maybe, maybe that might be, um, you know, something that comes back and and they can figure some stuff out and and do okay. But I don't think Liverpool and Chelsea are going to continue being as bad as they have for the rest of the season. Chelsea for you know and 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 yeah you know i think we can talk about this in our next episode we're talking about kind of more broadly outside of the north london derby but you know chelsea are, are a team of although they're sort of mercenaries or whatever they are they have got a squad of very good players and you might just assume that those good players will get them through because they're good players i don't know but anyway it is interesting to see that contrast just a couple more things right aaron ramsdale got man of the match um and there were two, I mean, it's again, it's difficult to single people out, but at the end of the day, the two centre-backs in front of him, I thought were also magnificent. I mean, how, you know, Ramsdale hasn't always, I think, kind of got plaudits for fair reasons, because I think that sometimes, you know, we've questioned aspects of his goal, uh, uh, goalkeeping, like his shot stopping sometimes, you know, he's let some goals in where we've wondered whether, you know, a better keeper does, does better, whatever. But, you know, Gabriel as well has had question marks over from some of the fan base of, of some of his decision-making. Saliba's made a couple of mistakes here and there recently. How good were the three of them though, Mice? Like how, how good were they just, just kind of stepping up in the biggest game yeah. of the season, arguably? Yeah. I mean, I think you said it, mate, like them and, and Ben White as well, if you kind of put him into that defensive, yeah. you know, Zinchenko too, but obviously his role is slightly different. So all of them, all of them were, I mean, look, don't don't get me wrong. I think the second half, um, Spurs did have a couple of openings, right? And Ramsdale made, I would say, good saves. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm a bit surprised he was man of the match, to be honest. Like, I know yeah. he had he had a great game, but like, yeah, as we've sort of talked about already, right? There's probably a couple of other, from an Arsenal perspective, I think there's a couple of other standout players. Um, so yeah, but like, yeah, in terms of their performances, yeah, like, I mean, I think you pretty much said it, man. Like, absolutely fantastic, and like. Even though, like, I think even when you when you when, when you sort of caveated when you were talking about Ramsdale and you were talking about Saliba or Gabriel and you were sort of saying, oh, but there's been a couple of moments this season, but it's been pretty minimal. Like, it's not mm. been 
won a game, for example. It's 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 been a, it's a pretty small sample size in terms of these mistakes. Like there have been, don't get me wrong, and there's going to be, there's going to be always. Like even the you know Van Dyke at the moment, well, I know he's injured, but you know he's he's been making mistakes since his since his injury, whatever. Like you know, uh, uh, it happens to every single player, even the best. So, uh, you know, I I almost feel like, I mean, I haven't even like thought about those mistakes or, you know, you, you almost can't look at some of these play, some of those defenders, those defenders, I can't even look at them. And even if you just look at their performance across the season so far, it's actually a game like, like immense is the word that comes to mind. You know, you think Saliba, how old is he? Like mm. he's 21, I think, mm -hmm. you know, 21 center back in the Premier League starting every single game in his first season as in the Premier League, you know, um, and we're, and we're top of the table when, you know, I think like, and you know, our, obviously our, our goal difference is fantastic, but we don't generally concede many goals either. Like, you know, they've just been very, very solid. So yeah, like full credit to them as well, man. Like, um, that, that, yeah, it, it, it's really kind of working at the moment, the whole, the system, um, the protection that we're getting. And I think the other thing that was quite interesting on Sunday, I don't know if you noticed this, but Saka and Martinelli did a really good job defensively. Like we didn't really have to as much like, well, they probably didn't have to as much as I thought they would have before the game. But at the same time, you know, we talked about the Spurs wingbacks at the start. And when they did push on a little bit, Saka and Martinelli did have to like get in, get back quite a lot. Um, and I think that, you know, the fact that we have that in our system and we're comfortable in the knowledge that those two players are happy to do that kind of dirty work and track back and they've got the energy and the kind of, um, you know, they can last a game doing it, going up and down the flank. That is a, another massive factor as to why we probably kept a clean sheet um, on Sunday. Um, and obviously Arteta has identified that knowing that that's how Spurs play and that's how a lot of Spurs attacks come through their wing backs. And, and we, we, we kind of countered that. So again, full credit to, to like Arteta, the coaching staff, because um, yeah, like it was a very, very good defensive performance. It was brilliant. Wasn't it? Um, right. Let's have a look, quick look at the Premier League table. I mean, Arsenal now played 18, won 15, drawn two, lost one, 47 points. Joint topping goal difference. Goals scored 42. That's the second best in the league. Goals against 14. That's the second best in the league. Um, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Eight-point gap over Man City. Um, Man United have played the same games as Arsenal and are nine points behind. Tottenham have played a game more than Arsenal and are, geez, you know, my mass isn't even good enough to do that calculation. 14? I mean, 14 points. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, it's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> it's incredible. It it is. I mean, look, we're getting all the plaudits now, right? You know, you turn yeah. on the radio, you put Sky Sports on, whatever, you go on Twitter, everyone's now, you know, Arsenal going to win the league. Oh, they've been fantastic. And look, you know, we have, we have, but, you know, it's it's really like, I, you look at the table and I think if you're any Arsenal fan, you look at the table, you just, you, you just look at it and it's like, I'm looking at it now and I'm like, wow, like that is an unreal number of points to have got at this stage of the season or with this number of games played. Like we could have 50 points, halfway through the season mm -hmm. that is wild um and i don't think there's a single arsenal fan in their dreams like definitely not me and you me or you would have thought that that was ever going to happen so you know we said it last last week we've got to in, you've just got to kind of enjoy the ride and enjoy every win and just hope we can sustain it you know until the end of the season but look i don't know if you're gonna like i know we're talking looking at the league table but are we going to talk about are we going to talk about like 
title challenge or I know we are in a, we are in a title race, but how realistic well, let's go for it now. Where do you, what, what do you, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, the next episode we do, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the United game, which I think is going to be really important in that equation, but let's just, yeah. Okay. What do you think right now, where we are right now? Yeah. Title challenge. Yeah. Are you giving it as much credibility or more credibility than you were before the Tottenham game? A slight amount more, I would say, like a little bit more. Um, but it's always gonna. It's unfortunately, it's always going to. For me, it's always going to come down to. It's always going to depend on how fit a number of our players or key players stay, um, and how. Because I think I'm just kind of going on the like my. I'm just sort of. I don't want to say assuming, but for me, any big injury to a party, and there's probably a couple of other players that fall into that category, I, I don't think we cope. I just don't think we can cope mm-hmm. with, with the squad that we have now. Maybe for a couple of games, to be fair. Maybe for like two or three games, yeah. But if it's like parties injuries in the past, for example, where he's been out for weeks or if not months, I don't think we cope. And I don't think we can sustain the level of performance. I think a p- big part of the reason we've been so, just so good this season um, is because we've had a pretty settled first 11 minus, you know, a couple of injuries like Zinchenko, um, obviously Jesus, there haven't been that many big injuries. Um, and if that's, if that carries on for the rest of the season, then there's an absolutely no reason why we won't be first or second or third, you know, in that, in that, in a, in with a shout come the end of the season. But I think, yeah, it's always, unfortunately, it's just always, I, I've got that kind of like, that scary kind of like, if this happens, then I'm not sure, I'm not sure we can, I'm not sure we can like sustain this sort of level. And I think, City have been like hot and cold this season and recently, but I just, when you've got Haaland up front, even if like, I don't know what's kind of happened to them in the last couple of games, but you know, he's, if you think that he plays the rest of the season, he stays fit. He's probably still going to get another 15 goals, like, Mm. you know, and then he's, and, and then you add everyone else into the mix. Like I just can't see City, not turning it on. Um, and I think I said this before, the only reason might be is if we get to the latter stage, latter part of the season and City are still kind of having like these erratic results in the Premier League, but they're doing really well in the Champions League, then they might put their eggs in the Champions League basket. But what does that really mean for City? That just means, mm. that doesn't really mean anything. Like they've got the squad to deal with both, comp- like all four competitions or they're out of the Carabao Cup now, but you know, uh, whatever competitions they're mm. in, They've got the squad to deal with it. So I'm not even sure that's necessarily the case. It might be more of a mentality thing where the Champions League, because they haven't won it either and Pep wants to win it, maybe mentally the focus shifts to the Champions League, but not really, in ter- not like if, if we have to make that decision come towards the end of the season, it's like either Premier League, Europa League, and we might have to make a call. We literally might have to rest a number of players for Europa League games or rotate quite a bit when we don't have the squad to do it. So yeah, like, I tell you what, mate, Sunday, Sunday is like we said Sunday that just went was big and it obviously was, but like you were worried about United before the Manchester Derby. And I guess I wasn't as much like I hadn't really noticed their kind of climb as much as you had. And now they won that game. and They beat City that set Sunday up to be like ridiculously massive. And 
you know, depending on what happens at the Emirates on Sunday, like if we, if we, I know we're going to talk about it separately, but if we beat them, then I think ask me that question again on Monday or whenever we record. And I'll, I think my belief will be, my belief will be a lot stronger. I think that's a good way to end this episode. Um, so, Mize, I really appreciate that, particularly your views from being at the game. Um, it's always incredibly insightful to, uh, to hear from, you know, a fan who's actually been been there and, and, and you know, was, was part of just like what I imagine you'll remember that game for, for pretty much the until the next time we all beat them at White Hart Lane. Um, but, you know, you, you, it's, it was just a it was a great day, wasn't it, mate? And yeah. um Everyone, thank you for joining the pod. Thank you for listening. Stevie has just just read out Stevie's last point before we end. It's a great point, Mize. Other than City, you usually have a ridiculous squad. The title is usually won by the team with the least major injuries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good point, isn't it? I mean, you, when when Liverpool have won the league recently, yeah. it was it was really important point, right? They they just they Van Van Dijk was fit, Salah was fit, Mane was fit, uh, Allison yeah. stayed fit. You know those sorts of things. So it's, it's absolutely so 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 true. Um, Cool. So listen, we're going to call it. Uh, we're going to call it there. Um, we are going to release an, uh, another episode later in the week, everyone, where we are going to be talking about the Man United game, previewing the Man United game. But also, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about transfers because obviously we have m- missed out on a very big transfer target in in Madrid. But we want to talk about what else that might mean for January, but also some of the other rumors that have been floating around, i.e., Declan Rice rumors have been coming up. So we're going to get into that as well. Um, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you, Mize. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. Goodbye. See you later, guys. Cheers.